Can you guys hear me? Yes. 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 Reverberation good. is gone. Okay. We'll continue with roll call. So Dan Bourne, he, he, you're here. Present. Chris Coleman. I'm here. Clancy. I'm here. David. Present. Jim, there, James. He's not here. He was on the call. Make sure good everyone admitted. Here we go. My fault. No problem. Okay, Jim. Can yes, you hear I'm back. Okay. And Tiffany. Yes, present. So we got everybody accounted for. So the first thing on the agenda is to approve the meetings from August 4th. Can I go over that? Oh, hang on just a second. We've got the official announcements. Yeah, my name is Scott Wagner, uh, airport manager. Let me just uh, go over the Open Meetings Act uh, procedures for tonight's meeting. Uh, commissioners, you must state your name and title each time you speak. All motions need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on the commissioners individually to provide their vote. Chair, you will need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. Uh, various members of city staff are present via Zoom and in the commission room tonight, and they must also state their name and title each time they speak. Members of the public are allowed to speak on certain agenda items, and those items are noted on the meeting agenda. Individuals who signed up in advance to provide public comment remotely will be called up upon by name. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking, and the regular three-minute time limit will apply. The chair for, will then call on in-person public comment for those without access to technology options. Uh, and then staff will uh, direct people to the podium to speak and the regular three-minute time limit will also apply. I want to remind everyone to please mute yourself when you are not speaking. And let's get started. Thank you. All right. This is Richard Haig. And the first item on the agenda is to approve the minutes from our August 4th board meeting. Are there any changes to the minutes that uh, anyone has noticed or would like to be amended? If there are no changes, I'll uh, take a motion to approve the minutes as they are written. Please move the hall board member. I move to approve. Okay. Nancy Maloney, board member, I second. Okay, motion from Tiffany Hall, seconded by Clancy Maloney. And we'll go through a roll call vote. Richard Haig, chair, aye. Dan Bourne. Aye. Chris. Aye. Clancy. Aye. David. Aye. Jim. Aye. And Tiffany. Board member, I move to approve. Okay. Motion from Tiffany Hall, seconded by Clancy Maloney. Okay. We'll go through a roll call vote. Richard Haig, chair. Aye. Dan Bourne. Aye. Chris. Aye. So. 
what do we what do we do to start? Just restart the meeting, Scott. We can we can have everybody log off, log back on. It's not perfect, but unless the echo's going to stop, we try and talk again. But it's it's the people on the line that are going to be delayed. Okay. So, so see if you can interact and see what happens again. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys heard it on your end, but everything we just said was repeated back to us, like an echo. And so we're going to continue with the meeting and see if it happens again. If it does happen again, we're going to have to log everybody off and start the meeting all over again. And so we'll, hopefully it won't do it again and we can continue with our normal process. Okay, at this time, um, we're open for public comment. If there's anyone that would like to speak on, to the board on anything from the public. Richard Haig, and with no, uh, no public comment, we'll move on, and I'm glad to report that we didn't get any echo that time, so we'll move forward. And we're, the next item is to receive staff report on the, the uh, Kansas Department of Transportation air tour fly-in event, and then the, the manager's report after that. So we'll turn the floor over to Scott. Yeah, this is Scott Wagner, Airport Manager. Uh, I'm going to really turn it over to Rick Bryan, who spearheaded this effort. But before we do that, we uh, staff created a little video uh, from that um, event that we're going to try to share with you, and we'll see if this works. sound. Not getting any sound, Kurt. I'm not seeing anything on your share either. So you haven't... It's, it's not online yet. Okay, now I can see it <coughs> blow it up and... Uh... Let's just play the clip and... Can you guys see this at all? Yeah, you can see it. Uh, maybe you should do some exciting narration. If the audio isn't coming through, I'll send out the YouTube link uh, to the board. It's also been posted on our agenda tonight. Uh, but we had some staff from our communications team out at that event. They captured a lot of great images from it. And also some really nice video. And th there is some music that goes along with the YouTube, so it's been uh, posted out on the city's YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be able to use this video to uh, promote the airport uh, going forward, and we'll post it on the airport's website. And I think it's just a, uh, a nice way to showcase what happened at the, uh, the fly-in event. It's only about uh, three minutes long, so after it wraps up, uh, I'll turn, turn it over to Rick Bryant for, uh, uh, he'll go through his uh, written report tonight. But enjoy, enjoy the pictures. Well, that video brought a smile to my face. I hope it did yours too. Um, I've got to thank all the board members and uh, other participants on the Zoom tonight who were there uh, for that flying event. I, you know, I, I thought it was a great success. And it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a great evening. Uh, the weather turned out super uh, i know we have a 
Chad Decker on the Zoom tonight. His uh, company in Hangar uh, hosted the uh, the pilots dinner that evening, um, and it, it you know. It, it, it was just a lot of fun, and it wouldn't have happened without the board and all your hard work that night. And uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for all your, your hard work and support uh, of our fly-in event that evening. And I'm going to turn it over to Rick Bryant for a more formal uh, recap of, uh, of that event. Good evening, everyone. This is Rick Bryant, airport guy. Uh, in your packet for tonight is a written recap to the advisory board and Scott Wagner on the events of the air tour. I'm not going to go back through this report verbatim. I'm going to hit a couple of the highlights, but the most important takeaways from our adventure that day was we satisfied all five of the KDOT uh, objectives for the air tour in each stop. Uh, they left on Friday morning indicating a great desire to want to come back and do this next year. Um, they historically have tried to target selected areas of the state to try to spread things around, so it'll be interesting to see um, if we do get asked to, uh, to host. And they want to do it on the last day, which is Saturday uh, at noon, to wrap up. So gives us... Um, <laughs> Lots more opportunities to get into trouble uh, with crowds and um, other things, uh, entertainment, food. So could have more, um, may have to do a whole pig this time for barbecue instead of just uh, piecemeal it. So Chad, get ready, have to build a pit out there by your hangar. So um, I'm just gonna let it die at this moment. Um, if there's any general comments, um, you know, welcome to, talk about them or you can uh, address them to Scott and um, they will get to me and then we'll work on them uh, for next year if we um, have the opportunity. Thank you very much. All right, this is Richard Haig, the chair, and we'll do the uh, manager's report next, Scott. Yeah, sure. Um, this is Scott Wagner, airport manager. Um, I also forgot to thank Rick Bryan who spearheaded the uh, the, really the coordination of uh, the event, the KDOT fly-in event, uh, and he uh, kind of led the way with, you know, just all the the minute details that had to go into to that night's uh, production. You know, we had some great giveaway items uh, to the pilots that evening. Um, we had lots of volunteers, um, and, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't have happened without Rick either. You know, we're, we're a staff of two here uh, with the city. Um, so, uh, yeah, thank you, Rick. Thank you. Uh, for the airport manager's report, I'll just kind of go through the uh, items that was posted with the agenda tonight. And, uh, you know, stop it or, or you know, you feel, know, feel free, free to, to interrupt. interrupt me at any time if you got questions, because there are a lot more details I could fill in with this report. report but but I, I tried I, to, you know, just kind of highlight uh, some of the key things that's been going on. Um, so we'll go from the top of the list back in August, uh, Dan Bourne and I, a board member, attended the Four States Conference, and that was held in the <coughs> downtown Kansas City. Uh, it was just a great conference for me, again, as a new airport manager, to hear from FAA staff who, again, weren't there in person, but, you know, they were able to uh, participate via Zoom and, and had some really uh, great presentations. 
Um, there was also an exhibitors hall where I got to interact with uh, various uh, vendors that, that serve uh, airports and, and meet some of those folks as well. Um, I just highlighted a couple of the presentations I got a lot out of. Um, there was an FAA presentation on their new airport external portal and they kind of just walked us through how to use that and that's really something that I'll use as airport manager to interact with uh, the FAA. That's where we'll find a lot of our uh, CIP information, our grant uh, projects that are out there and you know it's something that uh, FAA central staff is really uh, rolling out uh, as a tool uh, for airports to use. Um, I also had some really good presentations on wildlife management. You know, for those of you that are tenants at our airport, you know, we even though we've got this great wildlife fence, uh, sometimes it turns into a, a wildlife containment fence, as Lloyd can probably attest to. Uh, so we still have some wildlife issues from time to time, and I got a, a, a contact from a, a really uh, good uh, wildlife manager at Missouri Department of uh, Parks and Recreation who presented on that topic. And a really interesting presentation on really kind of the future of aviation uh, on the topic of unmanned aerial traffic management. And as I listened to this person uh, present at the conference, I was thinking that that would probably be a, a really good presentation to this board. And so um, it's my goal to reach out to him and, and maybe uh, see if we can get him on one of our future meetings uh, next year. I might turn it over to Dan Bourne just for a second to see if he wants to talk about any of the you know, uh, seminars he attended because he and I didn't necessarily attend all the same ones. Dan? Yeah, this is Dan Bourne, board member. And uh, yeah, I found it very useful also. The, uh, the portal presentation, I thought, really clarified for me a lot of the uh, uh, ob obscurities with the whole uh, FAA approval process. It'll allow you to see exactly where your various applications are in the process. And um, I also attended one on airport security, cybersecurity, I thought was really interesting um, about the inroads that, um, you know, people are making into uh, the computer systems in airports and the uh, up in the uh, means of combating those so yeah it was all very enlightening great thank you thank you for attending dan and uh this conference is held annually uh in the kansas city area and so if in the future if other board members would like to attend uh just please let me know and we'll uh make sure we can uh, find the funding for uh board members to to attend this conference because it is really helpful um, also that took place at the four states conference was a meeting of the Kansas Association of Airports so I was able to attend that meeting uh, as well and that was just really helpful to again uh, touch base with other Kansas uh, airport managers and one of the things that the KAA does is um, lobby for airport funds uh, across the state and so one of the items that was discussed at that uh, meeting was the amount of funding that KDOT provides uh, through its KAIP program to Kansas airports. Right now they provide about $5 million annually and there was discussion among the group to try to uh, reach out to KDOT and or to maybe adopt a policy statement <coughs> to ask for more funding. And so as a result of that meeting, the KAA board did put together a, a policy document uh, asking for 
uh, about $15 million in, in KDOT funding uh, for this program. So, um, you know, we're, as a group, this is uh, important for our airport to, to be a part of. And uh, somehow I got to be uh, part of the board as well. I was uh, elected to the board uh, during uh, that meeting. And uh, I was also elected to serve as a uh, secretary of the KA board. So that, that will help me again as a, a new airport manager to really make good uh, contacts uh, in Kansas with other airport managers and to be a part of this group that's lo actively lobbying the state for uh, more funding for, for our airports. And there's actually a KA board meeting tomorrow that I will uh, take part in. Uh, just some updates on all the things going on at the airport. It continues to be uh, uh, an active uh, place and, you know, lots of things uh, to report back to this board on. Uh, the ARGP funds, we uh, did get notice uh, in the summer that we were going to be eligible for about 59000 in uh, This is really from the ARPA funding uh, from the Biden administration, kind of the first uh, round of funding to, to come out of ARPA. And I did submit those uh, documents back to FAA. I'm just waiting on the formal grant agreements to come back from them uh, to complete our application to, to get, the, get those funds. Uh, back in August, we uh, reported on kind of the selection process for selecting a new airport engineering firm. And I'm happy to report that uh, the recommendation uh, out of that process was for Garver Engineering to become the new airport engineers. And on the October 12th City Commission agenda, uh, the City Commission approved an engineering services agreement for Garver for a five-year term that will end December 31st, 2026. And we've actually got Mark Williams on the call uh, tonight that will be the lead project manager for Garver for serving the airport. And he's gonna talk to us a little bit later on the agenda, but I am really pleased uh, to have Garver on board. They're already helping us uh, with projects and they're just gonna be a, a huge asset uh, to our airport going forward. Um, the next item I have to report on is kind of something that's came out of various meetings with airport tenants and, and tours of their businesses out there that Rick and I discovered. And that, um, you know, our, our tenants are having, you know, real trouble sometimes with attracting skilled labor and skilled workforce uh, to uh, their operations out at the airport. So that led us to reach out to our local um, technical uh, school, Peasley Tech, to see what kind of programs they might have available to serve uh, our airport tenants. And kind of the goal of the meeting was to kind of start a dialogue between the tenants and, and Peasley Tech staff about uh, workforce development. And we had a great turnout. Uh, most of the, the main tenants out at the airport uh, were there at that meeting with uh, the Peasley staff. And that was really, I think, for a lot of us, the first time um, maybe be even being in the room together to discuss you know, airport uh, issues and, and what different tenants out at the airport were, were seeing. And so um, we got a nice tour of uh, the Peasley Tech Center by the director, Dr. Kevin Kelly. And then a couple days later, you know, um, he reached out to Rick and I to discuss ways to, to, to follow up from that meeting. And one of the things he suggested was that perhaps in, in terms of uh, ways that Peasley Tech uh, could partner with the airport 
in identifying uh, students interested in a career in aviation would be to form a, a Douglas County Aviation Club. And so that, that was just that initial uh, meeting, an initial idea. Uh, Rick and I really haven't done anything with that idea yet. And we really haven't followed up with the tenants uh, out at the airport to see what their level of interest is in this topic. Uh, but <coughs> I did put that on tonight's agenda under board items, so you guys can uh, weigh in on this as well. But, um, you know, this was just kind of a first first step in really kind of partnering with, with Peasley and maybe doing some workforce development to, to help our tenants out at the airport. And, it, you know, it was, again, just a super positive meeting. The Peasley tech staff is is awesome, and they're, um, they're ready and willing to to help our airport uh, succeed. Uh, just an update on the Hetrick uh, additional new hangar project. Um, we are uh, continuing to uh, review uh, the engineering plans uh, from Land Plan Engineering, uh, Hetrick's engineering firm on this project. Uh, I would say the, uh, the plans are probably at a 95% uh, state. Uh, you know, uh, they are working on the public improvement plans and the taxiway plans for um, the components of uh, their airport expansion out there. Uh, one of the things that we've already started to work with Garver on is to review on our end of the uh, taxiway plans to kind of make sure that they meet all the FAA requirements for pavement design. Uh, even though we're not getting any FAA funding at this point for uh, the construction of the taxiway, you know, it will be a taxiway that can serve future development out there at the airport, especially for any additional hangars that may be constructed uh, to the south of uh, this new Hetrick hangar. And therefore, we want to make sure that it's constructed to FAA standards and, and could be at least eligible for additional uh, improvements and or extensions in the future. Uh, we really expect this project to, to get kicked off uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, the KAIP grants uh, were due last, uh, last week, uh, actually October 31st, so just uh, Sunday. And again, Garver is already on board working hard for us and, and helped me uh, put together the uh, grant applications. If you recall, last year we received two applications for improvement of the pavement areas around um, the T-Hanger A, um, and we did not get uh, the third grant application around T-Hangers B and C. Uh, so this year, Garver helped us identify, uh, we end up putting in two grant applications and not three, as my report says. Um, one, uh, Garver felt that the grants that we awarded last year for the uh, uh, the pavement uh, around the hangar A, uh, especially I would say with the, the cost escalations we've seen in, in recent uh, public uh, improvement projects, that the amount of that ward is just not enough. It's not enough to, to uh, do the project uh, in a way that, you know, it needs to be done. And then also, you know, we, we have seen some drainage issues around uh, that, that hangar that need to be addressed. And so, um, our grant application was uh, for a much larger amount to address that issue and to also uh, address the uh, pavement areas around uh, T-Hangers B and C. And then we put in a second grant application for engineering design uh, services uh, that will cover the design work that has to happen to, to make that project happen. Uh, let's see, 
I did meet with uh, Chris O'Brien uh, from Uplift Coffee, and they haven't had a lot of success in serving the airport at, um, at, a, at the airport for uh, football game days. Just not a lot of, not a lot of traffic in, at their food truck. Um, but they are open to continuing to uh, try that again. Uh, I think uh, Chris said they were going to try again during basketball season, and I believe that officially starts tonight. So I don't know if they're out there tonight, but they were going to try again, and they were also going to reach out to airport tenants about getting their food truck out there from time to time to, to serve the tenants at the airport. Uh, the gate controller project, this is a, uh, a project that we did have funding through through the CARES Act. Um, we were designing that in-house with uh, our own engineer by the name of Gary Reinheimer. Uh, that uh, project uh, was uh, set to bid, and uh, bid opening happened uh, September 21st, but we didn't get any responses uh, from the first round of bidding. So Gary reached out to some contractors and uh, held another pre-bid meeting. And then uh, we did open bids again on October 19th and, and got uh, a couple bids uh, for that project. Uh, unfortunately, as you know, as a city has seen with all of our public projects recently, costs have continued to escalate. Uh, I think Amanda Sahin was thinking that we could fund this project with the $69,000 we had from that CARES Act grant. Uh, the lowest bid came in at about 99,000. So. Um, we will be able to do this project. We're just going to have to go through a little bit more process. I think I'll be able to combine the ARPA grant and this CARES Act grant uh, to cover the, the cost of automating uh, these two gates out at the airport. I think we just uh, will have to uh, take that back to probably uh, the city commission to amend our CIP to, uh, because that project has reached that $100,000 level. But we'll get it done, um, and we expect it to, to get going probably in, in early 2022. Uh, the airport terminal project, uh, this was a project that the city had allocated our own uh, capital improvement funds for uh, this year. Sure. Uh, we had hired a, a local architectural group to come up with some plans uh, for that project, and so we ended up uh, settling on kind of a design for uh, creation of an ADA accessible bathroom at the airport as well as a remodel of the two existing bathrooms and so that was kind of the scope of the project we did we didn't have a huge amount of CIP funds set aside for this project uh, we only had about hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars bids were open uh, on just last week October 26 um, I was talking to, again, Gary Reinheimer has been our staff point person on that today. Uh, we think we're going to be able to get the, the low bidder uh, under contract here uh, soon under that project and, and get going on it. Um, let's see. I just wanted to update you on the next bullet point on current terms of the uh, city uh, CIP budget and maintenance plan. Uh, so we have, you know, kind of a list of projects that we expect to get FAA funding for next year, which means the city has to budget for them in 2022. Um, so a couple of these items were included uh, in the city's uh, capital improvement plan. Uh, the terminal apron project, which we expect to get word on, hopefully, uh, within the next uh, few weeks from FAA, uh, is included for $120,000 in funding, and we anticipate over a million dollars in FAA funding for that project. 
Uh, the rehab of Taxiway A was recommended for $180,000 in city funds. Anticipated federal funds are approximately $1.6 million. Uh, and in the city's uh, rehabilitation of runway 119, um, we have that slated for $217,000 in the 2024 budget. So again, um, just wanted to keep the board updated on the, the city's end of uh, those budget items. On uh, September 8th, uh, we got a, a visit from uh, KDOT Aviation staff for a scheduled triennial inspection. Greg Chenoweth uh, visited the airport along with another KDOT staff uh, person and toured the airport uh, with Rick Bryant and I. Uh, he had a big kind of laundry list of details that uh, he had to check off his inspection list. And I attached a copy of that uh, KDOT report. But one of the major kind of items to note is that the activity listing of active parachute operations was removed from the 5010 report that uh, KDOT uh, files with the FAA as a result of that inspection. Uh, let's see, uh, another grant uh, that we as uh, staff went after was uh, kind of another pot of money through KDOT. You know, KDOT has uh, this annual KAIP, uh, Kansas Airport Improvement Program. Um, but they also uh, sent out an announcement in uh, late August uh, of another program called the Cost Share Program. And we thought that uh, the Hetrick Expansion Project, along with the taxiway, uh, really met the criteria for that uh, program. And so we worked with Hetrick to uh, put in an application uh, for funding uh, for that project and we, for that set of uh, KDOT funds. We applied for approximately a million dollars in support of the hangar and the taxi lane construction. And we expect a decision uh, to be made by uh, KDOT staff uh, here in the next few weeks in November on our grant application there as well. Uh, a couple items and then I'll, I'll wrap up and open it up for questions. Uh, I think at our last few uh, commission meetings, we've been kind of keeping you updated on uh, the growth of Eurotech uh, out at the airport. And I think most of our board members were out there at the airport that evening uh, for the fly-in event. And, and you've seen um, the growth of uh, Eurotech uh, out at our airport and, and um, their operations there. And so uh, staff has been working with them to identify an area on the airport to expand into and to uh, work towards developing plans for building uh, a new hangar and office space. And so on the October 12th uh, City Commission agenda, uh, the City Commission uh, approved a ground lease to uh, lease about 93,000 square foot area kind of immediately south of Bryant Way. That's, that's the area inside the fence that we use for uh, parking purposes the night of the, the KDOT uh, fly-in event. Um, and that lease was approved. It was uh, uh, kind of had, had some escalating provisions on it. You know, initially it's just gonna be vacant ground that Eurotech can use for flight operations if they need it. And as they build out their project, uh, we'll enter into a, a long-term 20-year lease uh, at uh, some escalating rates uh, for the ground lease uh, on their project. And uh, here in a bit, we'll hear from Chad Decker. He's on our agenda tonight. He's the president of Eurotech and he's gonna just introduce himself more to the board and tell us a little bit more about uh, their plans out at our airport. 
And finally, a couple items. Uh, you know, one of the great things that happened as a result of the fly-in event was some KU students came out tonight. They were mentioned in the Lawrence paper, uh, I think just a week before that event. And they were students of uh, Professor Barrett Gonzalez. They had won some awards at some international competitions. And he had his students out at the airport a couple weeks ago. And we also, uh, Rick Bryan and I had a tour uh, from some KU uh, graduate students in the master's in public administration class who are taking a class on infrastructure and infrastructure management. And we led those uh, students on a, a really nice tour of the airport that evening too and just got a lot of positive uh, comments, comments back from uh, everything happening uh, out at the airport from Professor uh, Zacharias. Uh, Hanas, if you don't know him, is a former Johnson County manager who's now teaching in the KUMPA program. So just to hear his comments on everything going on out at the airport was just a super positive. And finally, the last item to note is the city has started an Instagram page. If you are a social media person, uh, follow the city on Instagram. Some of the very first pictures posted on that account were from the, the fly-in event. The uh, YouTube video that we showed a minute ago is also posted on the city's YouTube account. Uh, so again, um, I'm continuing to work with really our awesome communications staff to promote things that are going on at the airport. So uh, follow us and, and, and share some of those posts with your, your own followers if you're, if you're out there on social media. Wow. Um, you know, there's, there's probably a couple other items that, that I were going to report on tonight, too, before I open it up for questions. Um, one of the things that uh, Rick Bryant reminded me of today was the passing of uh, former Congressman Dennis Moore. Uh, Rick reminded me that uh, Congressman Moore had really jump-started uh, some key development out at the airport from his, his time in Congress in the in the roughly 1999 to 2001 time frame with a $2 million congressional earmark. And the earmark program is something that a senator's representatives uh, have the power to uh, kind of identify funds in the federal budgeting process for, uh, for projects back in their district. And he was just a great uh, advocate and supporter of our airport. And uh, if you followed the, the Lawrence paper today, Congressman Moore uh, did pass away. So I wanted to mention uh, that item. The other kind of thing that uh, didn't make it into my report is that, you know, the Lawrence Airport, in terms of the uh, big organizational chart of the city, falls under this department called Municipal Services and Operations, MSO. Uh, the current director of MSO, no relation to me, is Dave Wagner. Uh, he announces uh, retirement uh, coming up in December. And the city just announced today that uh, Melinda Harger, who is one of the assistant directors, she's actually a person that I've been reporting to since I joined the department back in August, is going to take over as the uh, interim uh, director of MSO. And uh, she, she will do a great job until the city uh, uh, goes through the process to hire a, a full-time director. And with that, I will be quiet and answer any questions you guys might have. Okay, this, this is Richard Hague, Chair. If there aren't any questions, we'll uh, move on. I'm going to flip-flop the next couple items on the agenda um, since we have some guests that have been patiently waiting, and we'll take those up before we take our, our normal business activities. So 
I think we would first like to introduce Chad Decker of Eurotech and let him introduce himself and his company a little bit to people that may not know him. And Chad, welcome aboard. Are you with us, Chad? Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Richard. Uh, can everybody hear me okay? <laughs> yes. We can, yes. You can? Okay, great. Here you go. Well, uh, well uh, first of all, I'd like to extend uh, a big thanks to uh, the board and uh, Scott uh, for having me here this evening. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Chad Decker, and I'm the founder and managing member of Eurotech Vertical Flight Solutions. Um, so I was requested to join this evening to share a little bit about, a little bit of background on me, uh, Eurotech, and uh, secondly, to officially announce our plans for expansion. Um, so with that said, a little bit about myself and my family. Uh, my wife and I have lived here uh, in Lawrence for the past 28 years uh, after moving uh, from Washington State, uh, where I grew up. Uh, I spent five years in the U.S. Navy and following my uh, dis honorable discharge from service, uh, we decided to move back to Kansas. Uh, my wife is an uh, original native of Kansas and a graduate uh, of KU. Uh, and she decided to continue her education uh, there at KU and finally received her PhD in 2006. Um, we have two children. Uh, my son is 20 and my daughter, she's uh, 17 and a senior at LHS this year. Um, as for me, I, I'm a private pilot. Uh, my career in aviation began uh, back in 1993 where um, I took a position with an aircraft company as a salesman. Uh, I quickly grew through this position and uh, while there dealt with a consortium of uh, general corporate and commercial uh, airline uh, customers. Uh, in 2000, uh, I started uh, this company from my home, uh, generally as, <clears throat> excuse me, as a broker putting uh, buyers and sellers together uh, who were looking for helicopters and spare parts. Uh, we quickly grew steadily over the years, uh, expanded the business, and eventually purchased uh, the facility here in Eudora, Kansas. Uh, our operations out here are mainly uh, admin, sales, and a main warehouse where we store and ship uh, helicopter spare parts. Uh, in 2008, uh, we became a uh, FAA-certified repair station, and we expanded our operations uh, here in Eudora to include uh, engine and component MRO. Uh, this new capability afforded us the opportunity to inspect uh, engines and helicopter parts and components that uh, we sell to our customers worldwide. Um, we also perform uh, these same inspections uh, for our customers. Uh, about eight years ago, we expanded uh, a bit further and uh, began leasing hangar space uh, at the airport to uh, perform uh, maintenance and completions on new and used helicopters. Uh, this kind of business has expanded for us a great deal and uh, we now occupy, occupy three hangars uh, 
at the airport. Uh, we've established a, a helicopter showroom uh, where we can display uh, new and used helicopters we have for sale uh, and a maintenance facility for uh, helicopter heavy helicopter repair and modifications. Uh, Eurotech is also a design and uh, engineering company. Those engineers that uh, we have on staff are involved in modifications, uh, including uh, recent FA approvals to install uh, lithium-ion batteries in, in helicopters. Um, so given the increase in uh, operations at the airport and overall, um, you know, there's a need for us to consolidate our operations. Um, having said that, we're currently working on um, a conceptual design for uh, a new hangar and office space at the Lawrence Airport, uh, which will serve uh, as our main headquarters and operations for many years to come. So uh, that's that's uh, a short story about Eurotech and, and myself, uh, for those who, who don't know. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to share some of the history with you. And if anybody would like to know more uh, about us or uh, what we do, uh, please don't hesitate to visit. Um, our hangar facilities are open normally Monday through Friday, um, 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Awesome. Do we have any any questions for Chad while we have him on on mic? We got a quiet group tonight. To, hey, Chad. This is this is Ron Renz. I just like to uh, welcome Chad to the to the airport. He's been here a while. I know he's helped Lifestar out quite a bit. Uh, some of their stuff they've done, and uh, Chad's just been a really good additional tenant at the airport. And uh, I, for one, am very happy that, that he's chosen Lawrence to be part of us, uh, to be part of our airport and part of our community, and he really brings something to this city. Welcome, Chad. Thank you, Ron. This is Chris Coleman, board member. Um, also want to uh, congratulate Chad for his expansion and um, want to also say thank you to Eurotech for um, partnering with RCB Bank to sponsor the, the dinner for the pilots. Really appreciated you getting involved in that. Um, I've had the opportunity to tour uh, Chad's operation uh, here in Lawrence. I highly recommend uh, taking him up on his offer. It, it's a really cool space, uh, his office area and the, the uh, director's room. Uh, you you want to go check it out. It really is a, really a great place. So anyway, thanks. Thanks, Chris. Chad, thank you very much. And we do appreciate you being at the airport. And for those that are uh, interested, the uh, aviation design side of Chad goes into aviation design furniture as well. And that's <laughs> quite, the, uh, quite the office furniture setup. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool, Chad. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Um, next, let's uh, introduce uh, the who's it from Mark Williams. Mark Williams from Garver Energy Engineering that's our new engineering firm that's coming on board just at the right time when we have a lot of growth and a lot of activity that that they can help us with Mark you bet uh, if you don't mind I was going to share a, a quick slide is that okay we're good hopefully your technic technical stuff works better than ours 
Well, uh, I'll cross your fingers here. I'll try not to embarrass myself here. So, uh, can you all see that slide? We can. I saw saw some heads nod, so I'm gonna assume that's a yes. So yes, it is. Uh, well, all right. Well, thank you for the uh, opportunity to present to the uh, airport advisory board tonight, and and most importantly, thank you for uh, your confidence in Garver to serve as your your next engineering consultant for the Lawrence Regional Airport. Um, we were honored to be out at the fly-in and congratulate. Uh, your efforts on that that was a great event uh, me and um, some members of our team uh, had an enjoyable evening that night and uh, and chad we really uh, were fascinated by your your facilities so uh, congratulations on your expansion um, first want to just tell you a little bit about myself um, mark williams once again with garver we are an engineering consulting firm uh, and we're based in uh, Overland Park, Kansas, at least the team that's going to serve uh, the airport. Um, I've been in the aviation and design uh, industry for 28 years. All of that's been based in Kansas here in the in the Kansas City area. Um, Garver as a company is a 102 year old company uh, and uh, for 65 years has been involved in the aviation design. Uh, nine years, almost nine years ago, at the beginning of 2013, uh, Garver expanded into Kansas. Uh, we're headquartered in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, they they asked me to come on board to open an office for them in Kansas. Uh, they had been serving airports in the southeast portion of the state and had asked me to come on board to help uh, expand their footprint uh, further further north than, than where they were. So uh, right now we have 38 offices across the country. Uh, 21 of those uh, have av aviation practices. And in fact, uh, we have over 100 employees dedicated to aviation design, which makes us one of the largest uh, pure civil and electrical aviation design firms in the country. And currently we're ranked uh, number 18 in the United States uh, for AVA, pure aviation design. Um, a lot of those firms uh, have large architecture projects that design terminals like the new Kansas City International Terminal, which is uh, not what uh, we have that specialty. We're, we're purely civil and electrical engineers that focus on uh, airfield design and the uh, transportation systems that lead to airports. Um, so, uh, we bring quite a bit of capacity to help, uh, the Lawrence regional airport, as well as our other clients, um, to, uh, complete projects in a timely manner. And, and what we've seen, um, and, and you guys are witnessing it right now is a, an escalation of the amount of funding that's available. But what that also means is being reactionary to, uh, some, some tight deadlines. So. Uh, we're proud of the fact that we've got, uh, if need be, over 100 personnel that we can we can tap into. Um, I'm based in Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, we have uh, a dedicated aviation and planning and construction team here. Uh, we've got uh, 
eight people here in in uh, in Overland Park uh, with uh, within our design team, our airport planning and construction team, and we also have an office in Wichita um, that brings us to a total of uh, eight dedicated aviation engineers and planners and thirteen construction observers uh, that are involved in overseeing uh, construction of our aviation projects. So not only do we have a large capacity uh, nationally, but uh, here in, in Kansas, we bring uh, uh, one of the largest aviation practices as well. I uh, just want to uh, highlight a few members of our team, the org chart that you can see on the slide. Um, as I mentioned, I will be the project manager, so I'll be the single point of contact with Scott. Uh, utilize uh, my years of experience and the relationships with the FAA and KDOT Aviation to help advocate for additional funding and gain support for your projects uh, as you continue your airport growth. Um, the two people at the top, Tim O'Cronley and Nathan Paulsgrove, uh, next to me in the org chart, are, are two former uh, airport managers. And so uh, we're proud to have them on our staff to support uh, you know, various, the business side of the airports for our clients and help support Scott uh, in any way he may need. Um, Caleb Coltrane will be leading our air, airfield design uh, aspects, um, le leading the team in that. He brings over 12 years of experience uh, dedicated to the aviation design. And uh, most of that experience is based here in Kansas. Um, and then Brad Watkins, who we uh, had at the interview, uh, Brad brings 30 years of experience in, uh, in the construction industry to oversee the construction uh, during the projects uh, and has recently completed projects uh, at Chanute in Clinton, Missouri and a few other airports. So he brings a detailed knowledge of the FA side of it as well. I want to just talk about just some of the experience that we're bringing from Kansas to uh, the Lawrence Regional Airport. Uh, the first is uh, with KDOT. Uh, we were selected by KDOT to be the statewide uh, pavement management consultant. So every airport in the state of Kansas that has uh, a paved runway, uh, we are going to inspect it or, or have inspected inspected it. In fact, we have two teams out doing inspections right now. Um, and so, and Lawrence is is on the radar for the, uh, let's see, right, roughly the first week of December when we'll be in Lawrence. And uh, with that, we're going to inspect every uh, square foot of, of paved surfaces on the airport. And what this will do is will provide KDOT as well as the FAA um, a detailed understanding of the pavement infrastructure improvement needs throughout the state of Kansas and will help the Scott and the Lawrence Regional Airport uh, in their capital improvement plan development. Um, so it's going to be an online tool that uh, folks will have access to and uh, we're really looking forward to that. Um, KDOT uh, did an aggressive uh, program. Usually this is a three-year process. Uh, we're going to complete everything within one year. Um, and so uh, all the inspections of the uh, 80 uh, airports and the NIPIAS are going to be done in the next six weeks. 
and we had the 32 non-NIPIUS airports done earlier this year. Um, at Jabara, you know, Scott mentioned the uh, the runway 119 project out at Lawrence. Jabara, we just recently com completed a similar project, uh, more of a what I call a pavement maintenance project, joint ceiling, uh, select panel replacements, um, and uh, and restriping the runway. And uh, so Jabara, if, if those that aren't familiar, uh, is a general aviation airport on the northeast side of the Wichita metropolitan area, uh, very busy airport there. Another similar project there, uh, where we are just completing the construction of Taxiway Alpha 3, which is uh, similar to what you're doing for uh, the the Hetrick Hangar 2. Uh, so extending a taxi lane uh, to access uh, future development. And so we, we worked with the Wichita Airport Authority and the FAA on funding on that. And so um, we're glad to help the city of Lawrence and Hetrick Aviation on, you know, the, the development of that uh, taxi lane to meet FAA standards. And then uh, Struther Field, which is uh, between Arc City and, and Winfield uh, in the southeast portion of the state. Uh, T-Hanger taxi lane rehabilitation and construction, much like what uh, Scott had mentioned he had applied for for the Kansas Airport Improvement Program. So uh, bringing a lot of recent experience in Kansas, uh, advocating through KDOT as well as the FA for funding for our clients. And we, we look forward to uh, working with the Lawrence Regional Airport and uh, helping utilize our relationships to uh, hopefully bring some more funding to the airport and uh, and help you achieve your development goals. So I'd be glad to answer any questions that anybody has. Does anybody have any questions for Mark? Mark, we really appreciate you taking the time tonight to uh, to explain to us and welcome to the uh, Lawrence Airport and look forward to working with you and your staff coming up. Thank you so much. We're, we're excited for the opportunity. Thank you. Hey, this is uh, Richard Haig chair and I was going to go back to the uh, number three item now, which is receive an update on the uh, 2022 Air Race Classic event. And uh, Clancy is do you have an update for us? I have uh, a few items to pass along and then Teresa White of the Air Race Classic is here and I'm sure she can fill you in on anything that I don't know about. She does everything. Um, what I know for sure is that the dates, I believe, Teresa, correct me if I'm wrong, um, are June 21st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th for the race of 2022. And we are the sixth stop. That's about 1,400 miles into the race. And so I think we can probably expect um, a number of aircraft someplace around maybe 30 or 40 to remain overnight in Lawrence. Um, 
I think Teresa told me that the registration registration could be between 55 and 60 airplanes. So, um, but we don't anticipate they would all stop here. The Air Race Classic does not have mandatory stops like the Kansas Air Tour does. Um, we'll need plenty of volunteers. Uh, I think probably starting on I doubt anybody will get here on the first day. It's possible, but unlikely. But certainly the second, third, and fourth days of the races, we will probably need volunteers um, to help with timing and transportation basically all day for three days. So we'll be looking for a lot of folks. And luckily we've developed a, a crew of people who um, helped with the Kansas Air Tour. And I think we'll probably get some uh, help from those folks right away and I'll be contacting the 99s for assistance also. Um, we'll need basically the same kind of equipment that we needed for the air tour along with um, handheld radios. The aircraft themselves will be tracked by spot trackers and so we'll have plenty of notice about when race aircraft are going to be inbound. Um, Teresa, I believe, told me that there would be a class in March or April for timers. So we're going to want to work early enough to get people signed up for that. And then um, at that, that point, I guess I'm going to turn it over to Teresa for anything she would like to add. I think you've covered it pretty well, Clancy. Thank you. This is uh, my name is Teresa White, and I'm on the board of directors for Air Race Classic. Um, I'm in charge of the route division, which handles all of the in-route stops. So I help with all the planning and organizing, and I also help plan the, the route in advance. We did it a few years in advance. And as some of you may know, um, Lawrence was planned as a stop last year or this year, I guess, and, and we had we canceled this year's race. So um, we pushed it off to uh, 2022. Um, they, they're start, the race starts in Lakeland, Florida, so, and they all start around the same time. They take off one after another. Um, and like she, like Clancy said, we typically have, uh, we open it up to 60 registrations. Um, usually we don't have, uh, you know, a, a full field. Sometimes some people drop out after that. But after two years of cancellations, um, I don't, we really don't know how to predict how many people we may have. Back in the 70s, you know, it was more like in the 30s because of gas prices, but um, it's it's been pretty full up until COVID, so we'll see what happens. We, we're all very hopeful. Um, anyway, they start. They'll be starting on Tuesday morning out of Lakeland. They go to each one of the stops. They don't have to land at every stop, but they do have to do a timing flyby at every one of the stops. There's eight in route stops, and uh, like I think Clancy explained it pretty well that with uh, Lawrence being the sixth stop. Uh, you probably won't see anybody the first day, but they'll be trickling in after that. The one thing, um, usually, you know, it's a trickle, but uh, if there's a weather, a weather delay at one of the previous stops where they all get stuck at one stop, maybe in Ada or in um, Arkansas at Pine Bluff, then they all might be arriving all at the same time. But uh, if the weather's pretty good, then they'll be just coming in gradually. So what they'll do is they'll come in and they'll do a low approach uh, timing flyby at offset to one of the runways. Um, and I'm thinking it's probably going to be, uh, I think 119, I believe is the runway we were looking at. I'm not positive, but um, 
And then they'll go back around, enter the traffic pattern normally, land, get fuel. Some will stay overnight. Some will uh, just, you know, take a break and then go on after that. Um, the stops can do as much or as little as they want to do. They can plan a big to-do, invite the public, have youth activities, uh, you know, celebrate this historic race. Um, you can provide food. It's it's nice to at least provide water and maybe some light refreshments, but if you want to provide a little bit more, that's always appreciated. Uh, and then if you can have volunteers maybe to help transport people back and forth to their uh, to the hotels for those who are staying, that's always appreciated. But um, other than that, you know, if you have just um, rental cars, Uber, whatever, just provide information so the racers can make their own um, transportation uh, plans. Um, let's see. We do have a best stop award, and that's one that the racers vote on. Uh, you know, if you want to be creative, if you want to have a theme for your airport, um, you can do that and, and you know, make a big to-do about it and the racers vote on their favorite stops. I will say that since every every racer doesn't stop at every every airport, it's not exactly fair because, you know, they, some, some don't experience the greatness of some airports while, you know, others do. So, but it is, it's a lot of fun. It's just the award is a plaque that you get to, to hang in your airport or your FBO, wherever you'd like. Um, let's see. I think that's about it, unless there's some other questions. I think I shared a video with Scott and Clancy that was made by the Ada Airport back in 2006, the last time the race came through Lawrence. And it just so happens that Ada was the previous stop that year, and it's the same this year. And uh, it really kind of gives a pretty good overview if you have a chance to look at it. If you haven't, it's available on our website at airraceclassic.org. And if you scroll down a little ways, uh, there are some featured videos, and it's it's a featured video there. Thanks, Teresa. Um, I have uh, Teresa has provided me and Scott with uh, the proposed uh, flyby information, and I also um, obtained the flyby information from the 2006 race, Teresa. Oh, good. And um, so it's slightly different, and I'm sure that we'll have some comments and whatever for you eventually on it. I know that Scott's uh, going to work on it, but we're keeping it secret. <laughs> oh, good. I'd be interested to see that one from 2006. Oh, I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, thanks. Okay. Anybody have questions? I think the, the only question I would have for Teresa is as it gets closer to as far as the hospitality of the city of Lawrence, would it be possible to get just a... Uh, a random number of, of who might be interested in staying in Lawrence so we know kind of how many to accommodate for as far as cars and rides and and support yeah. for those pilots that may want to step in the night or is, is that kind of just on the they go on the on the fly that they may stop and may not is there a, a plan for that no there's not really any way to do that I mean I'll certainly give you the the total number of racers but once they take off out of Florida they are on their own to, you know, plan their own strategy. They'll strategize around the winds and the weather and, uh, you know, where they want to go and where they want to be, you know, where they plan to stop. And of course the weather dictates everything. You don't have too much control over that. So 
you will, but like Clancy said, they carry spot trackers and that's displayed on a map on the website. So you'll be able to get an idea. I mean, that's not an exact science, but you'll get an idea of where they are and about how many uh, teams you think will be coming your way. And if it's late in the day, you can anticipate that they'll be staying overnight. But you won't know that till, you know, you won't know that in advance. It'll be last minute. Super. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions? We're, uh, I think that I, I spoke with Scott uh, about last week about this, and we're hoping that the city can provide transportation or at least vehicles, a city bus or something to go back and forth to whatever hotels um, get organized. And I'll probably be trying to work with a couple of other people to put together, um, you know, uh, goodie bags and information about, I know that we have to give you information about hotels at, cer at a certain point, um, Teresa and whatever else, but you just had your, your board meeting too. So I'm assuming information will be coming out shortly after the first of the year, maybe. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be in touch with that. I do want to say one thing though. Um, you, I heard mention of a food truck. That's, that, that's an option you might look into, especially if you invite the public to come out and see the racers. If you can, if it looks like, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of racers there one day, it might be um, of interest to some people to come out and watch, or if you have a youth event or anything sure. like that. I don't think Lawrence doesn't, does Lawrence have an aviation program? I don't know that they do, Lawrence, the call, not Lawrence, the uh, university. No. They, they, well, they have a, a complete a, aviation department, aero engineering. They, we do have an aerospace school. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, that, we do not have a flight school uh, associated with K the university. The Kansas regents have assigned only one region school can have a flight program, and that was awarded to K-State years ago. Uh, but as right. you goes, we do have a, an aerospace engineering program. Okay. Well, they might be a good, a good group to contact. I mean, I don't know if they'd be interested or not, but they might be. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you, Teresa. Thanks Thank for having me. Um, Glancy, the one thing we did have on here was to uh, appoint two advisory board members to serve on the Air Race Classic Planning Committee. It, would you want two besides yourself or just two total? Um, I don't know yet, but I think the more the, med the better. Um, we're going to need um, basically the same kind of equipment and organization, but for a longer period of time that we had for the air tour. So I think a couple of people would be real helpful. Okay. Now, is this something you want to ramp up now or do you want to ramp up after, you know, toward the end of the year or beginning of next year when we get closer to the schedule? Or is this something you'd like to get rolling now? Um Given that we have the training period that will be in March or April, I think we should start probably in maybe next month working to try to get people uh, uh, to volunteer. So we, we've got a good days right now from the air tour. So I'd like to get started on that. And um, the rest, I think, could probably be done more or less the way we did it for the air tour. But the timing, the timing issue, I think, is important, although they are going to, Teresa, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the timing will be done by the spot trackers, but we still need ground timers. 
Right. Yeah. So they're, the spot trackers are just to show them on the map. They also also carry uh, bad elves, which will help provide um, the timing data. But yes, we do need timers on the ground. And since it will be, the racers can fly from sunup to sundown. So, you know, it's a long day. And that's why we have it the, the third week in June every year, because those are the longest days. But that makes a long day for volunteers, too. So it's best to have a, a good number of volunteers that can rotate in and out. Um, but they, we, there's, we have the timers on the ground to uh, give us backups in case their equipment fails in the airplane, but also to judge the quality of the flyby, if it's too high, too low, um, not safe. Uh, sometimes there's dual flybys and we may need a little clarification on who was where, when. And uh, so it's really important to have timers on the ground. But we, for Air Race Classic and for, for me, since I'm kind of in charge of this area, we need a head timer and a head and a stop chair. And the stop chair is my main point of contact during the race. There's certain uh, certain information that has to be sent to um, to the race officials every night, and then for all the planning and everything, it's best that we not bother Scott too much because he's got an airport to run. So if we have a stop chair that can be our main point of contact and a head timer for um, the timing crew to have our you know our timing officials to have a, a point of contact, that's that's the way we prefer it. So it doesn't have to be somebody on the board that has those roles, but somebody to oversee it would be fine. What I would like to do is um, try to enlist a volunteer from one of the 99's chapters who has experiences at, at the timing. I've done it way long ago, and it usually takes three people on a timing mm -hmm. team. Yep. Um, and if you're sitting out in the sun, probably not under the canopy unless you've got you know, because you're going to have to watch the, the flyby. Um, I think it's maybe three hours at a whack is going to be enough before people need a break. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we're going to have to have numerous teams every day on that. So that's, I'd like to do that. And then if I can find somebody to be the stop chair, I think that would be a good thing. Otherwise, I may be the stucky, as I've said before. So um, if I am the person who winds up being the stop chair, I'll need two people. If I'm not and I can get it to somebody else, then I'll, I can probably do it with another board member. If Scott, if that makes sense to you. So do we want to do we want to take some volunteers and board members that want to participate now? And uh, now how that would, would be good? Okay. Well, I I throw my name in the hat because um, I'd love to be part of it and uh, and keep things going wherever I could. Well, you're definitely a board list, member. Uh, I'm happy to throw my name in as well. Okay, so I've got Scott and Tiffany, right? All right, that's good. Thanks. So, super. All right, um, let's move on. This is Richard Chair, Hague Chair, and uh, we we'll go for the F FBO report from Lloyd. Lloyd, are you still with us? Uh, I am. Hi there. Um, I don't know other than what happened since we last reported but I, I do suppose the we've just uh, as far as our 135 uh, operation we've added a, our, a second keen air 350 to 
our fleet. So we now have the two aircraft to complement the charter operation. Um, and, and we're seeing plenty of it. We're not even advertising yet. We're, we're outside of our 91 operation. We we seem to get a lot of, of, of it. We're hitting, I think we're hitting three or four a month right now without even trying, but um, so that's out there. We've also, uh, due to the uh, air tour that we had, we, we put the, uh, those that came out, that's all we, we uh, demoed our helicopter out there or static displayed it and we're up and going in Kansas City with that now. It is operated as a skybound helicopter at the downtown airport. So if you know anybody want to learn how to fly or needs helicopters, that's where we're operating out of there. We've got, uh, took two deliveries. We got the R-22 at two place uh, that we're using primarily for instruction. And then we got the R-44 that's a four place that's being used right now more for air tours over the plaza, whatever. Uh, we've taken a delivery of a, our second R-22 next month and uh, we got another one r44 on order and i believe it's in may uh, right now projecting to deliver so uh things are kicking off over there we're, we're starting to see a lot of activity with that and other than that i don't know they've got anything else uh anybody got any questions that would be great if not uh, i would say thanks for everybody that helped with the air tour i thought uh uh that thing was a great turnout it's, it's always great to get the public out to the airport uh, uh for whatever we can they start to figure out we got an airport out here um so thanks for everybody that helped with that and uh, it was great and chad and his group and uh, of course all the board members so Thank you, Lloyd. Um, one question is, are you doing the helicopter instruction out of Lawrence Airport or is it mostly out of downtown? Uh, right right now, it's just out of downtown. Uh, we've got a few that are showing interest in it. Uh, right now, I think they're just driving there, but uh, our hope would be maybe between Lawrence or Topeka, we might expand this direction, you know, in a year, I'm guessing, uh, once we got the activity to do it. But uh, we, in past years, we've had enough in Lawrence to do it, but right now uh, we're just concentrating the downtown area. Super. Thank you, Lloyd. Yeah. That's an Lloyd board member. Lloyd, I just wanted to pass along that I really appreciate it on the air tour. What a great job your line crew did. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, I thought it went well. It was, it Especially was, Sean. Yeah, he's a worker. Yeah. He is. All right. Um, the, the next agenda item would be to re receive input on the following items. Um, first, the youth aviation camp, which uh, I think Rick Bryant's going to take over on. So, Rick, if you could bring us up to date. Thank you. This is Rick. Stop pushing the button. Oh, sorry. I'm not supposed to push the button. Okay. For um, I'm going to give a little background on the history of the Aviation Youth Camp at Lawrence for our new board members. So kind of get up to speed before we get into some of the key discussion points. Our first camp was held Saturday, June 4th, June 4th on uh, 2011. It was a half-day camp geared towards middle school students. We charged $25, and that $25 registration fee included a camp t-shirt, a half-day 
of aviation instruction that we used four modules from AOPA. And then we had a graduation pizza party with certificates of completion. As we move forward and expanded our offerings, it got into three-fourths of a day and included a flight around Lawrence by volunteer pilots. Our average attendance was somewhere between 24 to 28 students at, uh, at the camps. And the students were sometimes out of city. We had a couple that were from out of state, uh, but most of them were Lawrence residents. We did not hold a camp in 2021 due to COVID-19. It has been a very popular uh, event and we've had a lot of repeat campers and it helps move some of these with an interest in aviation into potential flight instruction, which we have had, um, or moving into more advanced camps, such as the, the camp at the Cosmosphere in Hutchinson or the space camp down in Alabama. So our discussion for tonight is somewhat general, but um, we, we want to get some action accomplished out of this. Does the Aviation Advisory Board wish to continue this event? Um, then we, if, if the answer is yes, then we need to start working on a date. And then as we've just heard, the Air Rakes Classic is gonna run June 21st to the 24th with a stop at Lawrence. The Aviation Advisory Board has traditionally partnered with Lawrence Parks and Recreation to help promote and Lawrence Parks and Rec provided the online registration for campers to um, pay their fees and participate in the camp. Dwayne Peterson over at uh, LPRD has served as our liaison and uh, compadre on these camps. If moving forward, then uh, camp development has historically required two to three aviation advisory board volunteers to help organize, format, and recruit camp staff. And then the last item is the last couple of camps, we had a, a risk manager for the city who would not permit us to recruit volunteer pilots for insurance reasons, um, even though we vet the pilots, we vet the aircraft, we, you know, we go through all the, the paperwork and we have waivers, but Scott and I have talked about this and he's visiting with the uh, new risk manager for the city to determine uh, what's possible. And I, I don't have that information tonight to share. Scott may have it. Um, so the pressing question is, does this board want to continue offering an aviation youth camp in 2022? If so, need a couple of volunteers, um, need to start throwing out some dates and we need to start prepping and organizing and getting ready for this event. And I'll stop there and encourage discussion. This is Rick, board member um, Rick. What what dates did you use used to have it at on what month? Traditionally, Clancy, um, this is Rick. Um, traditionally, we have done it when school was out of session in uh, late May, early June. Uh, there has been some conversation about in an attempt to blow by our 28 maximum that we've had at one time is to have it during the school year, uh, maybe late April, early May. And then of course we get into springtime showers and um, you know, which doesn't impact the classes, but could impact the uh, traditional free flights that we've offered. So uh, it's usually been in June. Okay. 
this is Richard Haig. Clancy, we actually changed the date. Um, the last three years or four years of the, that we had the camp, we put it for, to the first weekend after KU graduation. And that was before public schools were out. But when we moved it to the middle or late June, what we found is a lot of the parents brought kids out that were not interested in aviation. And it really detracted from the kids that wanted to be there for aviation. We still had full, full class schedules, but the kids were, their participation was incredible. And we, the, uh, so the first weekend after KU graduation seemed to work really well the last few years that we had it. And uh, we really, I mean, we had a good time. We actually, the last few camps, we really could have, could have gone a full day camp and still had plenty of material left to, to cover. It was kind of rushed to do it in a short amount of time that we did and get the pizza party and everything in. Um, we kind of blended, we had modules for each, for, each group, we broke the kids up into five uh, flights. And so the kids were in small enough groups that we could use two aircraft to do a flight around the city while everybody else was in a module and then kind of integrated ending with the, the pizza party and, and uh, recognition at the end of the, of the service or the, uh, the camp. Um, we did not have a camp in 2020 or 21. Um, the 19 one was postponed three times for rain and then kind of went away after that because we got too late into fall to to get it and the volunteers had, had kind of left. So it really would be neat to not only continue the camp in my opinion, but also sit down and maybe rework it to get things a little bit better. But some of the challenges I think we're gonna have getting the camp going again, I think Parks and Rec is on board. Derek has really been, Rogers has been very supportive of it and really wanting to keep it going is the logistics of it, where we're gonna have the modules, the, the layout of the airports changed significantly since the last time we had it. So making sure we have places to keep, you know, have the kids, have the modules, have the pizza party, keep things moving and, and not interfere with, completely with airport operation. So I, I really, you know, as a board, I think it would be important to, to go. So I guess the first decision is, is uh, do we keep the aviation camp going? Uh, we have had a significant number of youth that are, are going on to aviation careers. We have one young lady that actually we gave her a, a, a what do you call it? Scholarship for a, a flight lesson. And she's now in her junior or senior year at KU in aeronautical engineering. And she's now getting ready to, to sign up for flight lessons and, and further her her aviation career. So it's, it is neat to see some of the kids go on and a few of them have kept in touch even after the camps have been over and let us know where they're going and what they're doing. So it is uh, rewarding in that side. This is Jim, uh, airport board. The only question I have is what's the total amount of time for, for the day of the camp? The, what, what was that again? What's the total amount of time that the kids um, are at camp? In, in the past, we've started the registration at, at 8, tried to have the first classes going by 8.30 and have the kids out by 1 or 1.30. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, it's just basically half a day. I would really like to, since we're feeding them lunch anyway, is maybe go a little bit longer, still have a lunch break, but maybe go till, till mid-afternoon. The only drawback is it's the warmer part of the year, and when you're giving people introductory flights, you want to do it as early in the day as you can because by one or two in the afternoon, you're starting to get some thermals and some bumps and you want it to be a pleasurable ride. You don't want to, 
introduce them to turbulence on their their first trip. So I guess the the action of the board would be to uh, recommend that we do continue to camp if you if we're interested in it to have it moved and seconded and then uh, form a group to to get it going. I do have all the materials from the the previous camps that I can share with everybody. We even have some leftover T-shirts and things from from the previous camps, and uh, I would be happy to get it moving if the board wants to proceed that way. Uh, this is Dan Warren, board member, and uh, I would uh, really encourage the uh, board to uh, sponsor the camp again. I thought it was a great idea when it was going on. It really got a lot of interest going, and uh, I think it's also a great advertisement for the airport in general. So is that a motion to? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll make the motion to uh, to sponsor the uh, camp again. Okay. This is Jim Lash. <laughs> Who seconded it? So Tiffany Hall, unless someone else wishes to do so. Okay, so motion by Dan Bourne, seconded by Tiffany Hall. So we'll take a roll call vote. So Richard Haig, Chair, aye. Dan Bourne, aye. Chris Coleman, aye. Lancey Maloney. Aye. Uh, David Haib. Aye. Jim Blaster. Aye. And Tiffany Hall. Aye. So passage unanimously. I think the next thing uh, would be maybe to, to get two or three people together and um, just sit down, go over things and and see what we can do to get a, get a committee form to to work with, maybe contact and get with uh, Derek Rogers a little bit and get things coordinated. In the past, Parks and Rec have been incredible about bringing tables, chairs, a lot of the uh, the stuff that we need to, to carry out the camp. And maybe we can work with Lloyd and, and his staff a little bit to make sure where it would work at the airport and uh, rooms and places we can have the kids to, to get them going. So, I, uh, Richard Haig, Chair, I, I volunteer to uh, to help get the camp off and running. I'll volunteer with you as a gem board. Anyone else? This is Chris Coleman, board member. I I would participate. Super. All right, so we've got the camp going. We've got a few people to get together and um, without violating the Open Meetings Act and that it, it is okay if we uh, direct camp questions to each other, Scott. Okay, no, uh, yeah, Scott Wagner, airport manager. Yeah, the three of you as a subcommittee can direct questions and, and plan, do that. Um, just, plan the event, yes. Just keep it related to the camp and we're fine. And, so uh, I'll try and get a hold of you guys and uh, get a hold of Derek Rogers and see what we can do to sit down and I'll show you the materials that we have now and and see what we can do to expand on them. Appreciate it. Uh, next is uh, these two kind of go together, but they are different. Um, creation of a Douglas County Aviation Club. 
and a Lawrence Pilots Club. The uh, Douglas County Aviation Club would be encouraging youth to get into aviation related uh, careers through Peasley Tech or through their high schools to encourage them to, to get jobs in the mechanical area, to look for jobs similar to what they would want need at Eurotech or on the flight line with, with Hedrick or in the AMP area, um, just different support jobs in aviation. So that's the club would be would be geared toward that. Um, Lloyd, I see you're still with us. Um, would this be similar to what we've gone to to fundraisers at the Explorer Group at the uh, Billard Airport? Is that kind of what this would be? Uh, yeah, Lloyd Hattrick was Hattrick Air Service. I I would suspect that's kind of what you're talking about is trying to to uh, entice young, uh, you know, teenagers to get started and, and uh, work towards the aviation career. So I, I would so it just wouldn't have the uh, backing with uh, uh, Boy Scouts of America type thing, but I could see it being treated the same way where you uh, get some volunteers to put forth uh, that, you know, the, and that leads on into the um, uh, fly and learn to fly or whatever else they want to do. Yeah. Thank you. And the, uh, the Lawrence Pilots Club is something that I've been, been thinking of for many years. And that would be kind of like the, uh, the friends of the library group that helps support library and, and its functions having a, a local pilot group that would help support aviation and, and bring the community to our airport as well. And uh, if we uh, can get some pilot group organized, I mean, that gives us a lot of volunteers to help with other things at the airport. So a lot of it wouldn't just fall on on board members and, and the family of board members that we could, uh, could get involvement and, and let others participate in the operation of our airport and, and activities out there. So when we have special functions, you know, we can bring a lot of extra people on board to, to share the experience with us. And uh, I guess my question would be on each of these is what steps would we take to, if we're interested in promoting those, to getting them off the ground, getting them started and getting them organized. I mean, we'd have to have, I would, uh, some, you know, meeting with teachers, with somebody, mentors to, to help the youth uh, program get started. Uh, we do have a, um, CAP group in Lawrence, which is youth supported aviation that maybe we could work together with to, to uh, get things moving. That's kind of a, a military base, which sometimes, you know, people shy away from, but uh, we might be able to, to do it more on the civilian side and, and inc include those guys in there. The Civil Air Patrol is a pretty good organization as well, which for those that don't know, the Civil Air Patrol is a branch of the Air Force. So do you have any, any comments or input on what do you guys think? Lancy Maloney, board member. Um, I, I don't have any recommendations on the aviation club, but I think that Peasley would obviously be the right place to start and then see if we can get airport sponsors working with them, you know, um, including the CAP. And as far as the Pilots Association is concerned. I don't know if it would be a countywide thing, or we could, we could just start with the airport um, tea hangar tenants. See what what interest we have there. That would be easy enough to do. Just send something out with the next quarterly bills. Let's see who's interested, or do an email um, to everybody who's a hangar tenant. 
I think my my one concern would be is we do have a lot of people in Lawrence that own aircraft that are not based in Lawrence. Um, some of them are based, you know, in in smaller cities. Some in Vinland, some in um, some Topeka airports, Kansas City airports. Um, for different reasons, they they hangar them there. Sometimes it's just hangar availability. But uh, I think it'd be good to maybe reach out to you know, the Vinland Airport and, and some other local uh, close by airports to see if those pilots would be interested in, in participating as well. Um, the one thing about the Airport Advisory Board is it is limited to people that, that reside in the city of Lawrence where this could be area wide where we could get a lot more regional support for it or area support anyway to, uh, to increase the function that we can do. Sorry, this is Jim. Um, I guess my biggest reaction would be you, you'd have to have something in it for the pilots to join. And of all the other pilot groups that I know of, um, they get some type of, of benefit of being a member. So I, I don't know if AOPA has got like many members. I know EAA and other groups do that. Um, and I don't know if we have any of those local chapters locally, but it would be interesting to see if there's something that we could do. Um, the immediate thing would be Lord giving up money on the gas. So, um, that that'd be probably the quickest way to get people to join locally. But um, yeah, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I wouldn't mind throwing a brainstorming session to figure that out, but I think it'd be tough to get off the floor if you don't have a, a real carrot to start with. Exactly. Well, we, we actually have a, the regional AOPA guys is usually at our meetings. Larry Kellogg is usually here and he is the local <laughs> AOPA representative that would be a valuable resource in in doing something like this. So um, if you want, I, I could reach out to Larry and talk to him a little bit and we can address this again at the next meeting. And in the meantime, we can send a letter out to the city, send a letter out to see how many tenants would be interested in be participating. You know, a lot of airports have Saturday morning coffee clubs and different things like that. So they get together and just do hearing or fly, flying if if nothing else, just to hang out with people that, that share your passion. So. Um, that could be enough for a lot of guys to to participate, or a lot of lot of people, because there's a lot of, of good female pilots, and 99s are an awesome organization. So we have to to make sure we don't just say guys, but um, I think that would be a, a good place to start, and maybe reach out to the 99s and and see if we can can get something going. So if you want to do it, if you, the board's okay, I'll reach out to, to Larry Kellogg and we'll ask Scott to, to put a message in the uh, the next tenant's uh, emails that go out and uh, we'll see what interest we have and we can address it again at the next meeting. As a Maloney board member, one thing that um, Jim, that might solve part of the problem aside from cheaper gas, would be uh, just a newsletter too, letting people know what's going on at the airport. Um, that could go out too, again, on email with, with anything, you know, just a column, you know, as the beacon turns, what's going on at the Lawrence airport or something, just to keep people informed about it, aside from sitting through meetings like we do all the time. Well, I know in, in the past, there's been different groups fly through that organize their own get togethers at the airport that it would have been good to, to let people know. I, I know the Tailwind group used to stop by and have a fly-in once a year and, and Lloyd can probably tell you other groups of, 
you know, maybe some some RV pilots or different groups that have, have flown in just for a, a stopover at the Lawrence Airport. And having a pilots association may help, you know, be a welcome mat for some of these people as well. Cleansing Lawning Board member also, it could help out the food truck guy if we knew about things like that happening with a pilots group available. Awesome. So we'll put a, a few flyers out. Um, do we want somebody to formally talk to Peasley or talk to somebody else about what it would take to get a youth club started? Or does anybody have any experience in, in, in a group such as that? <laughs> I've, I've done youth aviation camps and that was that's pretty basic, but having a, a youth club get started might be a little more involved. We probably need some some teacher sponsorships or school sponsorships to keep that going. Um, Lloyd Hetrick, which I, I think at one time years back, Lawrence High had uh, an aviation group there that uh, was ran with one of the uh, uh, teachers there. I can't think who it was that was running that, but I think you're right. A, a, a school sponsorship would be a, a good starting point where you got the kids interest there, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It seems for some reason it was a automotive teacher, I think, that was uh, rambling that there, but uh, that might be a start. See if you got somebody with some aviation interest in the uh, teacher's field that might help get that thing going, Rick. This is Chris Coleman, board member. Um, I've had a, an individual that's been contacting me, uh, Mark Griffiths. Uh, he's really interested in getting aviation uh, connected with youth and, um, and understand a lot of uh, the STEM, which I'm not involved in education, but I guess that's part of the accepted curriculum that uh, aviation classes are being um, accepted into into the schools and 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 recognized as part of their their regular education um, you know I'd be I'd be interested in in helping out and and seeing seeing who we need to contact uh, getting together with Kevin Kelly uh, at Peasley and uh, and just trying to take this the next step, see uh, see what we can do to, to get that club going and and get more young people interested in aviation. You know, just not not just being a pilot, but the you know the careers that go with it. So, so why don't why don't we go with that, Chris? If you're willing to do that, and if you want. Uh, someone to go along. This is Richard Haig, Chair. If you want somebody to go along with you to, to join in the conversation, I'd be happy to join with you. And maybe it's one that we can talk to uh, the district office or some of the STEM teachers and at the other, at the high schools and see if, or the curriculum directors and see if it's something that the high schools would, would want to encourage and participate in. Um, now that Lloyd had said that, you know, that Lawrence High did have a club because we did donate some flight controls for simulators and things like that to, to Lawrence High years ago for, for their program. But I, if that was years ago and I haven't heard anything for quite a few years. And this is John Roper, can you hear me? We can. Hi, uh, yeah, this is John with Restored Aircraft and um, I've been running some, uh, some youth programs the last couple of years and partnered up with a company called Siemens that does a solid edge 
and it's similar software that KU uses up at their program. Um, but I would definitely be interested in in trying to be a part of this and set up a youth program and and uh, be a part of the camp because we could set up some different types of things that range from um, uh, doing something with CAD or doing something with uh, uh, vintage aircraft repair and things like that. And and uh, but I'd I'd enjoy being involved in that. That'd be awesome. Um, John, how do we get in contact with you or can you share your information maybe with Scott and we can get get in touch with you? Sure, yeah, Scott has my information. So, awesome. We appreciate that. Is there any, any other comments on the? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> hi, it's uh, Chad Decker again. Um, and uh, I, I've expressed some interest in the past, uh, me and uh, my director of MRO, uh, and we, we would certainly be willing to participate uh, as much as uh, we possibly can to, uh, to get this off the ground. Awesome, appreciate that. Keep you in the loop for sure. Thanks. Okay. Lancy Maloney, board member. Um, I think w th this is just a suggestion. One thing that might um, help with uh, generating interest from the tea hanger folks is if they could have a Eurotech tour too, because I know a lot of them would be very interested in what's going on over there, Chad. So that might be a good come on for the for the local um, hanger flying group. Well, we'd certainly, um, uh, it would be our pleasure to uh, host them for a visit. Now, would that be like the uh, tier marketing campaigns that you bring them in for the tour and then, oh, by the way, while you're here, we're really looking for volunteers to help with this. And, you know, a lot of times my experience when we were looking for volunteers for the aviation camp and things is, people are really looking for some way to contribute back to their community and giving them the opportunity really, it helps both the kids and the person that's that's participating. So once we get things organized enough that we know where we can put people and how people can volunteer and help, I think we'll be surprised at how many people step forward. Uh, that, sound, that sounds fabulous. Love to be a part of it. Awesome, we greatly appreciate it. Okay, moving on to the, the final agenda item. Um, actually, I better, I'm gonna step back and just see, is there any other comments of anything we've covered tonight that either members of the public or, or the board have questions on or would like to comment about before we, we go into our scheduling? Tiffany Hall, board member, I do have a comment. Chad and others, thank you so much for your willingness to step forward in that way. I think that we should be very aggressive and very excited about the direction that we're all about to go with the airport and with the fact that we're all under new leadership and have so many exciting opportunities. You're right, we're coming out of a pandemic and people are looking for a way to give back and they're also looking for a way to support Lawrence. And so we really, we're part of an exciting opportunity right now. And I think we should capitalize on that. Thank you, Tiffany. Okay, um, the final item on the agenda is 
going over our, our tentative meeting dates for, for the next calendar year. And so all on Wednesdays, they're basically the first Wednesday of the month. So it'll be February 2nd, May 4th, August 3rd, and November 2nd. And those would be the scheduled calendar days. But if things happen that we need to, to schedule an, an, an extra meeting or a different meeting, mm -hmm. um, we might do that as the air race comes together or the aviation camp comes together. If anything, any major issues come up that, that the board feels that it's appropriate to have a meeting, we could. But these are the ones that we can put on the city calendar. So people that are wanting to tune in and stay tuned will know the dates already of the, of the pre scheduled meetings. So is any, any of these dates create a conflict for anyone? So, okay, I'll take a, a motion to approve the 2022 calendar as it is uh, presented. Clancy Maloney, board member, I so move. A move by Clancy, a second. This is board member Chris Coleman, I'll second. Okay. Moved by Clancy, seconded by Chris Coleman. And uh, so Richard Haig, chair, aye. Dan Moore, aye. Chris Coleman, aye. Linda Maloney, or Clancy, aye. David, Abe, aye. Jim, aye. And Tiffany, Hall. aye. With that, it's passed unanimously. So that'll be our tentative schedule for next year. And uh, with that, I think we move to adjourn. So moved. Moved by Dan. Chris Coleman, I'll second. And seconded. I, I really don't believe we need a vote on that, do we? I can just, the meeting is adjourned for a, a vote. <laughs> What's that? You can call for a verbal. Um, just a, a just all of, all in favor? Aye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you all.